Mike's top. Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, G, U corner, half back, flat, on two, ready, right. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42! Blue 42! Good morning, Stacy. How are you now? I'm good, you guys. I'm so excited you've been building me up. It feels like old times when we're all in the building and we all get to announce our presence walking into the sports pit. If if you were in the building, the, the fact you're on the phone on the Issaquah Pest Control Hotline kind of ruins the suspense there because nobody I will know. think we're all in the building. I know. It's unfortunate. Question one for you, Stacy. We talked about some things that Danny Kelly had to say yesterday, and he's of the belief that the Seahawks need to start operating with the most effort they possibly can to win while Russell Wilson's here. How Mm -hmm. should Russell Wilson's future, and I guess perhaps uncertain future, affect Seattle's current decision-making? Okay, so uh, I'll start by saying I'm not, like, of the go-for-broke mindset. I know that uh, my co-host Jake and I have disagreed about this one, where it's like, hey, you only have Russell Wilson for this long, so sell out to make a Super Bowl. And it's like, yes, but you're also selling out with the weapons you have right now. And I'll get to that in a second. I move forward as though Wilson will be here. And I still have to account for that. And I'll tell you why. He's under contract through 2023 when he's got a $40 million cap hit. Salary cap's going to be well over $200 million by then. So that sounds like a lot, but it's, it's not really. Seattle has three options. You trade Wilson, restructure his deal, or stand pat and act like nothing's happening. Here's why they're in a tough spot. Seahawks fans can think, get rid of Wilson next year and then get a you know quarterback on a rookie deal. But where do you find that guy? I don't know. Like, you can't tank. Do you want Kyle Trask? He was still a second rounder. Is that who you want? Well, so move forward. I mean, did you hear? Look. Did you hear Bruce Arians? He said that Kyle Trask mentally is as sharp as Andrew Luck was as he was a rookie. Yeah, I'm so sure. And Mora, I just want to make it clear. I know you're listening. If I'm wrong with this, or if Kyle Trask is a Hall of Famer, please help me go back and delete all of this. I never want to be held accountable I got for you. it. Um, so I just think the logistics of moving on from Wilson are really, really tricky. So I'm not for like go for broke throw everything at the offense and make him happy this year and try to win a Super Bowl. I get the mindset. I get that you really, really have to take risks to win a Super Bowl. You also need a pretty solid defense. And when you have 60% of your cap or more tied up in offense, you have to make sacrifices elsewhere. And I don't know how many more sacrifices Seattle can afford there if they do want to win a championship. And they most certainly do. I like this idea of the ways that Seattle can handle potential dissatisfaction. I kind of like the idea of pretend, pretending everything's cool. It's like, no, there's no problems here. I don't know what you're talking about. Like next year, if Russell starts, like, yeah, are didn't that happen last year? Like, I don't, I, I don't think this is that big a deal, guys. Like, I just just pretending like there's nothing going on. I think would actually yeah. be a pretty funny strategy uh, when it, when it came to dealing with potential unrest. And let's be real, Wilson. I will be shocked if Wilson holds out. Like, if, if there's other players where I'd be like, hey, you got to do it. You got to go for it because your only chance of keeping this guy is winning a Super Bowl and, and you need a franchise quarterback. But I don't see Wilson holding out. Like, you could get knocked out of the wild card round. I think you're going to have a headache with it all off season while, you know, uh, Mark Rogers is talking with Adam Schefter again. But he's not holding out. It's just not who he is. Moral once again. Once again, if I'm wrong about this, please help me go back and delete all of this. Hold on, though, because 
I, I, my initial reaction is to agree with you completely, Stacey. I, I don't see that being in his nature. What if Aaron Rodgers gets his way? Like, what if Aaron Rodgers, by throwing the biggest fit and really digging his heels in? Because what we've seen is that Russell has watched what Tom Brady got in Tampa Bay and thought to himself, like, yeah, man, they should listen more to me. Like, they should. And and if Aaron Rodgers gets in on like maybe that's the way you have to do it. Like, let's dial yeah. this thing up to DEFCON 1. Let's go. Like, I'm really going to turn on the tur- turn on, on, on full armaments, weapons-grade, full-blast armaments as, as I look to, to take aim at the franchise. Now, this isn't a challenge for Wilson, and I don't mean it as a slight. I don't think he has that in him. Like, I think fundamentally, I think fundamentally in the core of who he is and what he's focused on, like he wants to be liked and he also wants to be wanted, which I personally think is a root cause to like a lot of this issue. Like he wants to be wanted. He Mm -hmm. wants to be like the one that they choose. But I also think that he cares very deeply about being being liked and like any of us do. I don't think he's willing to sacrifice that. I'm with you on that front, Stacey, 100%. And the idea of him holding out, which you brought up, he's not going to do it, you know? Like, that's why I just wonder about this idea of, of seeing the finish line with Ross. I I guess I just can't see it myself. Question two. What's your opinion on the Julio Jones deal? Are you pro Julio? Are you, hey, it's too much? Do you want them to trade for him? I'm going to be really boring and say No. And it's in part because I'm just a really careful so person, and I know for a fact I would. I know I know for a fact I would make a horrible GM. I'd be like, "Oh, that's a lot to give up. Can I have like a take back kind of rule?" Um, I also know, like, I'm not of the party that says, "Oh, Julio's 32. He's injured. He's not going to make you better." It's Julio Jones. He has been maybe the best receiver of the past decade. He absolutely makes you even more of a Super Bowl contender. Like, I know what you are giving up, the possibility of what you're giving up, and not trading for him. But if you are a team, like let's just say, so I'll start by saying his cap hit or his base salary goes down next year and the year after. So that's good. But it's still $11 million. That's a lot. And like I said, Seattle already has two-thirds of its cap almost dedicated to offense. That's only going to go up because you're going to have to extend DK Metcalf. He's going to be looking to get paid because he's DK Metcalf. And he has a lot of strawberry milk to buy. So if you're a team with three of the top paid receivers, chances are you've got shortcomings elsewhere. It's like I said, like I just don't, you know when you're doing something that it's going to cost you elsewhere. And once again, I don't know where else they can afford to lose on defense. And I am so tired of seeing people say, oh, well, they can find another Richard Sherman. No, you can't. You won't. You're not going to find another Richard Sherman. It is hard to find Hall of Fame caliber talent in the fifth round and sixth round. And there's a reason that it's a fun trivia question for people like Sherman and Tom Brady. The thing that you brought up a little bit earlier, all that they have resource-wise dedicated to the offense, what is it, 60% or more? I feel like that's another reason, too. you you got to have some balance on this team. Nah. Yeah. No, nah. but you do, Danny. Here's the thing. You don't have to do it if you also have solid. The reason that some teams are able to not really spend on one side of the ball is usually because they've got some pretty solid rookies or they've struck gold on guys that came back and had a second chance. So, like, when Leonard Floyd went to the Rams defense, he was – a bust considering that he was a higher pick with Chicago. Went there, had a fantastic year. I know a lot of his sacks came against one team and one quarterback. Mm-hmm. Still had a really solid year. Or you have Tampa Bay, where they've had really great guys. James White, Vita Vea. They were first-round picks that they took playing on rookie deals. So 
I mean, I'm just saying Seattle hasn't had a great track record since their Legion of Boom days of finding those guys. Like, who's who's still here is from that group of, like, four defensive backs that they took in that draft when they were trying to rebuild the Legion of Boom? No one. Nobody. became a regular starter. They gone. Last one was Delano Hill, and he's in Carolina. It's actually Lano. It's Lano Hill. <laughs> he didn't earn the right to change his name while he was. No, You're that's right. terrible okay, to say. Okay. That's not. That's not <laughs> true. I like Lano. That was terrible. See what you made me do? Sorry. That was that that was that was that was absolutely awful. That was you all could, you. You could be just fine with young, hungry defensive players. Get a bunch of guys out there to run around and hit people. You don't need to spend money on defense. They had historically bad defense the first half of last year, Danny. So and it got better. Just run around and hit some people. Come on. Yeah. Some ham sandwich quarterbacks. That's probably mean, too, though. Question three. This sort of lends itself to what we were just talking about, but you talked about this yesterday. Was was offense really the big issue that held Seattle back in the playoffs this past year? Um, yes, but I'll say so we were having a debate about um, – the offensive line about whether uh, the offensive line costs you or just a conversation about personnel. Like, do they need to be better on offense? Who do they need to add? What piece are they missing? And so Jake and I were having a debate about whether Julio Jones could be that piece. And I think I settled on saying, I don't think it was a personnel issue overall. Like if I'm divvying up the blame pie, I'm not putting a big portion of it on personnel when it comes to offense. I think the bigger issue on offense uh, was just that they felt of two minds all season long. They were a high-flying passing offense, didn't adjust. Pete Carroll pulls them back, and then they feel like they're moving in different directions. It feels like Carroll has one idea of how they should play. Russell Wilson and Schottenheimer have another idea, and they never all make it come together. They never use Carson enough to beat some of those two high looks, <laughs> which is maybe what Carroll would have would have wanted. Uh, and then they they still don't really come up with any smart passing attacks to to really diversify that that group. I mean, like, they didn't really utilize the tight ends. I know you didn't have the best pool of tight ends to work with, but, like, you also barely had any targets for them. So it felt more like they were directionless and making mistakes and less like there was one piece that they were just missing on offense. Like, if they only had an all-pro receiver, it would have fixed it. I don't think an all-pro receiver fixes your problems from last year. I think your problems from last year are with your offensive coordinator and quarterback and your head coach being on two different pages about what they wanted to do. Well, that ruined my follow-up because I was going to point out that oh, no. I just I just listened. I just heard that there was too much money being spent on the offensive side of the ball and then that the offense was a problem in the playoffs. But you seem to think that they have addressed that, hopefully, by changing the disconnect between the coordinator and the coach. It's not even that they've... Yes, and what I mean by that is, like, I, I think that had you fixed those problems last year, you would have, should have gotten even further with the team you had. Like, you mm-hmm. had two 1,000-yard receivers. You had Russell Wilson. You had a pretty solid offensive line. They made big mistakes. I mean, the offense fell apart in the second half. We all saw it. It was a, it was a ticking time bomb. It was going to collapse even more. Um, they played the best defense in the playoffs. I mean, it, it wasn't a pretty picture, but, like, that group could have gotten farther if they were just on the same page. There were so many frustrating mistakes that were avoidable rather than just, like, you have the wrong guy. I wonder about how much they have done to change all of those things in the offseason outside of, hey, next year it's just going to be better. 
mean, how much going into this coming season is a matter of these guys need to improve on either side of the football? And how much improvement do you actually expect? How much do I actually expect on either side of the football? Yes. Um, I think on offense, I have much higher expectations. Um, I think that the second half performance on defense was really exciting. I think there were facets to it that were completely legit. I also think they were playing awful offenses, like bottom third of the league offenses. And I think that they entered the season still with some very real problems. Like, I don't think they suddenly went away. I think they're going to rear their head again at the beginning of the season. And I think they're going to rear their head when they have kind of a more uh, mixed group of offenses they're playing, right? It's not like you're knocking out all the good ones first and all the bad ones later, kind of like you did last year. Like, you've got a challenge throughout the course of your 17 or 18 now weeks. Um, So my expectations are much higher on offense. I think that they have taken steps forward on both sides of the ball to give them a really good shot to improve, though. Like, the expectations are higher, but also the baseline of what they're working with, in my mind, is improved. Have you ever thought about how weird that expression is, rear their head? And usually it's said rear their ugly head. It's always struck me as the most bizarre construction of the English language. Is it about snakes? I have no idea what it's from. But to rear your head, because you're basically saying... It's like rear, like that's your butt, right? You're rearing your head. Like it seems to me that if you reared your head, it would be to create a situation that people often accuse you of having if you're completely clueless. Like your head is lodged in a certain place that it shouldn't be and it's preventing you from thinking accurately. But I've always, I've always just been struck by how weird that construction, it's going to, it's going to rear its head. It's going to rear its head. Yeah, uh, Danny, I've never thought about it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you'll ever I'm think about it again, now, or you will no, thankfully, no. thankfully sink back into? Bed. <laughs> <laughs> she is Stacy Rost. Here's a different one. In this land, it was Blue Forty Two. She's nice enough to join okay. us. Did you know that Edmonton CFL team changed its nickname? No, it did. It used to be the Edmonton Eskimos, which is for many of the same reasons. Native American mascots and nicknames of other sports have fallen out of favor. It was specifically disrespectful to Inuit communities and others, um, uh, other tribes and and first peoples and first peoples nations that that are are in the area. So they changed it, but they just they just changed it. They didn't go through a whole. They didn't call themselves the Eskimo football team for two years. They're now just the Eskimo Elks, and they have a pretty cool looking helmet. With, with with some horns that are painted on the sides, they're just going to be the, or, I'm sorry, the, the Edmonton Elks. They're just going to be the okay, Edmonton Elks. Like, Wait. No, it's the Edmonton like, Elks. Right. I screwed that up. I completely butchered the presentation. Okay. <laughs> they're going to be the Edmonton Elks without making a big to-do over it. And I was like, huh, so easy. Why can't, why can't the Washington football team do that? Yeah, they didn't go with Edmonton team for two years. That's shocking. No, no, they didn't. They, they didn't have to drag the owner over hot coals to get him to give to to, to give up the ghost on it. None, none of that sort of stuff. Huh. What a thought. Stacy, it's fun to talk to you. We look forward to the yes. next time in which you will rear your head in Blue 42 okay. and join us. <laughs> oh my god. Bye. <laughs>